you're listening to a Lady D Speaks podcast. I'm your host, D. On my website, as well as my podcast, I cover topics such as homeschooling and parenting-related facts, tips, and experiences that I've had, along with book recommendations, because I love books. Today, we'll be talking about wrapping up a homeschooling year, so let's jump right in. The end of a school year is an accomplishment for kids and parents alike. Celebrating with promotions and graduation ceremonies is really a great exclamation mark at the end of a year. Our eyes are now fixed on summer, sleeping in and well-deserved screen time, and maybe even a family trip to the beach or the lake. Fingers crossed on that one. What always makes it on my summer list, though, is the to-do list wrapping up the year. This is when you're packing up, selling off, and deciding what you're keeping and what you need looking forward into the future. And, you better believe, I get my kids involved. If you were a fly on the wall at our house, you might think we were moving. I have them gather every piece of paper, textbook, workbook, crafts, and yes, supplies, whether or not we used them this year. Then, it's time for the real fun. Of course, I keep things from being overwhelming by using a tried-and-true method that I've discovered over the years. A somewhat five-step program, I guess you would say, of wrapping up the school year. The first is, I identify what I want to keep. Then, I separate that into two further categories of what I want available immediately, things that can be stored temporarily out of sight, out of mind. Third, I then decide what I need to save things like records, and so forth. Next, I look at what I can sell or donate. I guess you can kind of look at those as two different categories in themselves. And, of course, finally, what can be thrown away. If you use multiple curriculums during the school year, let me also suggest to you that you may want to break this down, focusing on one child's supplies at a time, so you're not overwhelmed with boards of math and English kind of cascading and the age groups getting a little blurred. So the first step is again identifying what I want to keep and I have to be honest with myself and really distinguish what I will be using because storing textbooks and workbooks that aren't immediately going to be used in the next following year really increases the chances of you not using it at all. At least that's what I found out in my own personal discovery of storing books and then stumbling upon them years later, realizing, wow, I didn't even know I had that. I try to make this easier for myself is I have one of my kids bring out all their curriculum and then we separate them from textbooks into all other books, usually the required reading, novels, and so forth. This year I decided that I will be holding on to a majority of the reading books, including those that fall under the category of living books. If you're not familiar with that term, living books simply means books that engage readers, drawing him or her into learning more about a specific subject. Typically, these books are done in a narrative style and are actually written by someone who is passionate and has firsthand experience on the subject. I believe that's what makes them such a good book to learn from, rather than our regular standard textbooks that are full of abundant facts, but if we're honest, comes across rather dry. But I digress. Once that's done, I have the girls grab a crate 
and we go ahead and put the textbooks in that section because we know we're going to get back to that later. I want to focus on the books I'm deciding to keep. And I put those in kind of two categories. One I consider library and the other under school. What that means is library are books that the girls are going to have access to whenever they want. If they want to look at it um, right before bed, if they want to grab it in between a different curriculum we're doing just to reflect back on a subject. And I'm not really worried about the condition of the book because we're keeping it for our own personal use. Where books that fall under the school category, I want them put aside because I don't want them misplaced or damaged because I know we're going to refer back to it at some point in time. So again, I keep it slightly out of their reach, but somewhere where I'll easily be able to access it or at least locate it when the time comes. Then step three is saving. I look at what records I need to save. Now remember, this is going to vary state to state, so you want to make sure to make yourself familiar with what your state requires as far as homeschooling. This can include keeping your calendars, grades and records, as well as an attendance. But again, make sure to clarify to me, I don't want to save any paperwork. I don't absolutely have to because this is stuff that you're going to save and put aside on the off chance you'll need it as proof. But I also want to identify for myself things I want to save that kind of reflect what we've done for the school year. That can be art or even writing assignments. There's two ways I kind of decide what I'm going to save because we go through and create a lot of material. You can either select the first art project they did and their last, so you can kind of see their growth or you can save what you feel was their best artwork, not just because of how it looks, but maybe what happened during the time they created it that you think is a really sweet, special moment. I also apply that kind of idea to the writing assignments. I usually pick the writing assignment that I could tell they loved the most, they enjoyed, and it was really thought-provoking. You could just see the difference between that and one that they were required to do and meet certain criteria which they do, but maybe it doesn't have as much heart. So I want to pick the thing that really shows me a reflection of them and their voice. But again, this can vary depending on the age group and what your expectations are of their writing. I also look at supplies I want to save. This includes art, paper, crafts, crayons, markers. I mean, the whole gamut of things you can use. I don't know how many times I have stumbled across an extra glue stick or craft paper that I didn't know was there somehow got misplaced throughout the year. This step is really important because it can help you avoiding duplicating things when you go out shopping and resupplying. And also it gives you an inventory so you know what you'll really need going into the next year. The fourth step is selling and donating. Again, like I said, that's kind of two steps in one, but I consider that all the same. As a family, we live off of one income. So I try to make sure to prioritize textbooks, workbooks, and their answer keys, and throughout the year making sure they're in as good a shape as I possibly can keep them. Not only can the funds from reselling these really help our family going into whatever sports and music and other activities we want to do later in the year, I like the idea of providing other families with great homeschooling curriculum, but at a more reasonable price. To me, that's really a win-win and how we kind of come together as a homeschooling community to help one another out. Now, the things that make it to the donate list aren't that they aren't good products or good material, but sometimes I personally see them 
as having way too much wear for me to honestly ask anyone pay for them. And sometimes it also comes up that we did use some of the pages and I don't feel like that's right to try to sell that because someone else's child isn't going to be able to write down on that because the answers or the maps are already colored and filled in. So I donate these because I could still see the benefit where someone could look at them and use them as reading or reference work, but obviously they're not going to use it for the hands-on application that they were intended for. So that's usually what makes it into the donation pile. And again, some things that uh, even if they're actual reading books, but they are a little damaged beyond, again, where I feel comfortable asking someone to pay for, I'll donate them because I just don't have the heart to ever throw away a book. That does lead us to our step five and final step is actually throwing things away. I think this is my girl's favorite part. They have no problem opening their binders and dumping all of their papers and notes into the recycling bin. But this part is actually worrisome for me because I tend to wonder if they're going to use that material later. But realistically, nothing we've ever thrown away has ever been needed again. The point is that they have that knowledge stored in their heads and not just somewhere in a binder. Of course, if there's something they want to save, they're proud of, any reason they want to hold on to it, I, of course, have no problem with them having that and setting that aside so it doesn't get mixed up in next year's curriculum. Once each of those steps are done, I repeat it for each child. Because in past years, I've actually had separate curriculum for each one of them, even though I did have a time where they crossed over and we can work together as a group. As I go further into my homeschooling year and I've become more confident, I think I'm going to more and more have them work together and just be assigned different things, grade and age appropriate. But for now, I have to break it up and dealing with my high schooler separate from my fifth grader and then my kindergartner. Now, of course, they've all promoted, so I should clarify, I will have a 11th grader, 6th grader, and 1st grader next year. So once I do all those steps and we're done completely, only then do I allow myself to unpack the new curriculum for next year, because there's actually going to be space for it to be stored and put away correctly. Here again, I have my girls involved. And this is where I think we have more fun because I'm not going through the past stuff and separating everything out that they've already used. This is where they get a sneak peek at what they're going to be doing next year. And that's kind of exciting. The books are new, covers not worn, and they get to see, oh, I'm going to learn about animals. Oh, these are my list of books that I'm going to be reading. And they actually get excited about it, which I really love because I love opening new curriculum and I get just as excited if not a little more. This is a perfect time to place the new curriculum out because again, you'll have an idea of where do you want it accessible, already thinking to the future year of how easy do you want them to be able to grab and get a hold of this material or is it something you're going to put a little higher on the shelf, so to speak, so you would be in charge of getting it so you don't worry about their little hands, maybe misplacing them. This whole process can take a few days or up to a couple of weeks. It really depends on you and how quickly you want to go through this and how much you have to go through. And for me, it even varies year to year, depending how badly I want to feel like our summer's truly started when I know our next year is already set. Now, let me leave you with a few quotes that I found really encouraging and that I kind of associate with this idea of wrapping up, cleaning up, and organizing. 
The first is, quote, for every minute spent organizing, an hour is earned. That was by Benjamin Franklin. I love that because that seems to be exactly how I view it. Organizing, even when it's a chore, is never a waste of time. Though I'd rather be reading a book instead, this is going to pay me back in the future when our next year starts and there's not chaos of us wasting time. If you've homeschooled for any amount of time, you know how frustrating it is when your kid can't locate some kind of item, material, or book they need to accomplish whatever goals you have set for the day. So this is really providing you peace of mind. The next quote is, When atmosphere encourages learning, the learning is inevitable. That was by Elizabeth Frost. Our children learn in unique ways. And a goal of many homeschooling parents that I know is to try to eliminate distractions when a specific subject needs focus. So imagine this clutter can steal that disorganization, can rob them of the time they need to be able to learn. I know it does it for me. I can't work or feel calm when I feel like I'm surrounded by a mess. And though our kids may not so much mind a mess, as we could tell by looking at their rooms, they will feel that chaos when they can't even themselves look around and know what they're looking at, know what they're supposed to be focusing on. So this, I believe, really helps them to hone in on what is in front of them. Now, this last quote may be my favorite because I could see both the humor and truth in it. It says, quote, you can't reach for anything with your hands full of yesterday's stuff. That was by Louise Smith. When you see your kids trying to pour themselves a drink while their hands are otherwise occupied, you know a spill is inevitable. And the same can be said for us in our homeschooling year if we don't prioritize closing one out to begin anew. Wrapping up a school year by identifying what we want to keep and save, along with those things we need to sell and can donate, as well as, yes, those things that must meet the trash and we must part with, is actually a part of the homeschooling year just as much as our calendar and lessons. So, whether you're like me and you're starting this process now, or if you're going to wait until your next school year is in sight, I hope you will view this time as time well spent. What are your thoughts? Are there steps that you find helpful in wrapping up your past school year curriculum? Do you enjoy this as much as I do? Or is this just another thing you have to add to your ever-growing to-do list? Let me know in the comments below. If you'd like more insight or commentary, feel free to click around my website at ladydspeaks.com. There you'll find posts and podcasts of topics that are near and dear to my heart. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for joining me.